Hey guys, this episode of the Command Edit Podcast is brought to you by Screenlight. Screenlight simplifies the review and approval process for video editors. Upload your video, share it privately to the client, and receive frame-accurate feedback in a simple, user-friendly environment. Head on over to screenlight.tv slash commandedit to get your free 1GIG account. Hello, people. Welcome to the Command Edit Podcast, episode 016, also known as 16. Hey, guys. Uh, Josh Short here, and uh, I'm your co-host, alongside with... Nick Montgomery, a very early morning riser with bedhead co-host. Oh, I've, I've, I've been up for about four hours. What have you been doing? What? Oh, come on. Time difference, maybe. I don't know. What are you doing? What have you been doing up for four hours? We're, we're, we live on the same coast in the same time zone. <laughs> I'm going to chalk it up to that because you just made me feel bad. For I got up at, I woke up at 8 a.m. to record this because that's how our schedules align this week. And you said you've been up since 4 a.m. That's usually the time I go to bed. <laughs> 5 a.m. Oh, 5 a.m. Ah, well, yeah, this is a, this one's a little bit different. We usually do some recording in the PM, but uh, we're doing this like I, as I'm as I'm watching you over Skype, Josh. I see like just like sunlight pouring through the window. I've got sunlight coming through my window here. It's a very strange feeling. It is because it's usually you know like 9 p.m. and I'm drinking a beer, and you're like getting ready to go to the gym, and I'm getting ready to go to sleep. Yeah, yeah, and now it's early morning. I don't oh. even have any coffee. Oh, oh! I'm, I'm, I ran out of coffee yesterday. <laughs> I'm I'm one cup in. I should be two, but only uh, one. Send some stuff. Some send some of that through the uh, the microphone, please. All right, all right. Anyways, this episode we're gonna be talking about uh, a few different topics. We're gonna be covering uh, among some uh, some updates in the social media world and a shameless plug. Um, some uh, tips. We're gonna get back to uh, one of my famous uh, or one of my favorite uh, things to talk about: fitness while at working at the desk. Uh, so a couple of fitness tips that uh, you can take to heart, uh, and uh, more importantly, uh, how you can get the benefits of a standing desk without having a standing desk. So more on that in a little bit. Uh, and uh, we're going to be talking about a few different editing quirks, techniques, styles, things that the editor sees while you're watching a movie or a TV series, and uh, just irks you the wrong way. So when you're watching the work of another person, and you know uh, certain things that bother you. So it'll be kind of like a getting off the chest sort of thing. Um, and uh, also a helpful article from Josh's blog, Edit Video Faster, on uh, adding slates to the beginning of your timelines. Is it a long forgotten technique? Or is it something incredibly valuable that uh, uh, both of us still do? <laughs> Here's a hint, it's the latter. All right, so uh, I think first off, what we were gonna we were gonna get into the new social media update with Instagram added to Hootsuite. So this is for people who uh, this is for those who actually have Instagram as part of their social media reper- repertoire. Uh, Josh, do you use Instagram? I do not. I feel like uh, in twenty twelve, 
I was like, I'm just going to ignore Instagram. I, I want nothing about it. And now that it's, uh, you know, 2015, I have a little bit of uh, remorse. Uh, and now I feel like it's too late. And I keep saying one of these weekends, I'm just going to get bored and get it. Uh, I have not found that weekend yet. Maybe maybe this will be the weekend. It's it can be it can be fun. Uh, it's not entirely in in my opinion. It's not entirely uh, a as useful tool as like Twitter or Facebook when it comes to promoting yourself your own business. But some people use it very very well. Um, but anyways, for those who are either in the Hootsuite or Instagram world, uh, the uh, Hootsuite added an update last week, which kind of got my uh, got my ears percolating and you get uh, got my uh, got all excited about they added Hootsuite um, to or sorry this is how this is why we don't record early in the morning they added Instagram uh, capabilities to Hootsuite so now if you have a Hootsuite account you can post directly to Instagram because before what I like about Instagram now is that you can post both photo and video I like I like the idea that if I'm sitting at my desk and I'm working on an edit that I am able to release content for, uh, if I see something like a blooper or if I see something really funny or something really interesting, then I can quickly render out a 10 second clip of it and post it to Instagram. The problem before is that, uh, or still even, the problem before is that the process for that was export the video, put it into Dropbox, get my phone out, go into my Dropbox app, download that, open Instagram, post way too many steps took forever and by that point i'm fully distracted from my work um so anyways it's just handy that uh hootsuite has now taken a step to connect instagram to uh to its its other social media tools um it doesn't work as well as i would have hoped it doesn't work for video it just works for photo that was a big letdown uh but you can more easily like if i want to take a screen grab and post it to uh, my Instagram account is a lot easier now. So uh, you think eventually it will include video too? I'm really hoping. That was my first question, and actually, uh, Hootsuite, uh, uh, a Hootsuite rep on their Twitter account uh, replied back uh, right back to me, and I guess they're getting this question a lot uh, about adding video capabilities to it. And they said, uh, "Yes, yes, yes. That that's coming. That's coming." So okay. Hopefully. So so for somebody who does not use Hootsuite. Uh, that's just like that's a separate app, like on your phone or uh, or something you log into on your computer, and you can just say publish to Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus, whatever. Yep, right. It's, it is a it is kind of your catch all social media account manager, uh, and it's an app for both the phone and the desktop. So on my desktop, I have a tab open for Hootsuite where I can post uh, to any of my social media accounts that I have. Okay, so like when I see when I go online and I jump on Facebook and I see you post something, then I see the exact same thing on Twitter. It's because you use Hootsuite. Yes, I try not to do that. Okay, because that's, that's a bad. That's no. no. <laughs> Every once in a while, I I'll see you do that. Every once in a while, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, anyways, there's that. Uh, have you been using Instagram for uh, for posting video or for posting uh, stills of your work? Uh, I like to do it and uh, add the timeline Tuesday hashtag whenever I do. And fortunately, I forget when Tuesday is, and it's usually on Monday or Wednesday. Um, but uh, I'm going to definitely be using it to post more stills as well. So shameless plug time. Uh, Josh, you got anything to shamelessly plug this week? Something uh, of your work? Sure. Um, I figured I did not have enough projects of, of uh, that I work on right now. So uh, I went ahead and I bought the domain short on beer. I already have... 
shortonbeard.wordpress.com. And I got I got super paranoid for some reason that someone somebody was going to buy a short on beer and it should really be mine. So I went ahead and I bought it. And I'm doing something completely different than anything I've ever done over there. And I'm writing like a, a two to five hundred word post every day uh, at the moment. So uh, I'm going with this right now. I'm about a week in. Uh, I got a uh, about two weeks content already uh, published or uh, scheduled to get published out and uh, I'll keep going from there. So uh, if you guys want to check that out, uh, that is shortonbeer.com and it's just some, uh, I call them private ramblings, just thoughts about life and whatever else pops into my head. Wicked. What was your last post about? Uh, I have no idea because I write them about a week in advance and probably when we jumped on this call, it published, so I've not even read it yet. So it's a it's a surprise for me every morning uh, to go back and read what I wrote. I'm going up there. The root beer beer thing. Oh, that's uh, shortonbeer.wordpress. Oh, sorry, yeah, that's yeah. the first one came up. Yeah, yeah, shortonbeer.com. Aha, aha. All right, well, I'll definitely be checking that out. And you're going to have to be my, I'll have to live vicariously through you for beer from now on. Uh, because, uh, especially, well, particularly for the short, short term, but, uh, hopefully not for really the long term. I'm, ha- I'm having to give it up for a little bit. Um, cutting back. So I'm, I'm not consuming nearly as much beer, uh, as I used to, but, uh, uh and why is that? Are you prepping for something? Yes, I am. Uh, <laughs> Segway. Uh, Tough Mudder, the thing that I've been training for for the past few months and looking forward to slash dreading, is coming up this weekend for me. So actually, at the time of this recording, uh, it's coming up. But when you actually, uh, our listeners, hear this, this would have just passed. So I might be dead by now, by the time you hear my voice. Isn't that creepy? You could hear me beyond the beyond the grave. Woo! Um... Yeah, the uh, Tough Mudder is coming up this weekend. It's kind of like the end of season, but it's kind of like the mecha uh, obstacle course race for a lot of people. Um, certainly not the biggest one, but it is it is the most popular one anyways. so yeah, I, know, I know we've talked about it. Is it a 5K, 10K? It's I, uh, I believe it's 18K. 18K. Yeah, 18K, hill running, uh, however many obstacles. Some of them shock so, you, some of them don't. Is that a, is that a 10 miler? Oh, frig, yeah. I don't know. All right, yeah, 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 sorry. Uh, the uh, empirical system, not not the metric. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be lots of fun, but I've gotten a, a, a few tips over the, that I've taken over just over the last month about the last few changes that you should do just before you prepare to do something as big as that. And uh, some of those, have, some of the tips and tricks that I've learned um, are things on how to keep fit while working at the desk, which is what I'm always striving towards. Um, how to be, I, I would love to be uncharacter, uncharacteristically fit for an editor, for a guy who sits at a desk. That's what I'm aiming for. I'm not trying to be Arnold Schwarzenegger here. I just want to be, you know, I, I just, yeah. I, I don't want people to uh, look at me and say, oh, you must sit all day. So that's the thing. And there are ways that you can get around uh, sitting at your desk all day. There are ways that you can break up the monotony of just sitting, you know, in that same posture all day, uh, and killing your back, killing your hips. Um, everybody knows uh, sitting is the new smoking, and 
it seems like all the the solutions that uh, that were uh, that were given right away to kill that nasty habit of sitting it were things expensive things like get a thousand dollar was that chair Herman Miller chair or get a thousand dollar fifteen hundred dollar standing desk and that will do it and a lot of people say well I can't afford that so screw that I'm gonna have a bad back for life so I don't have a standing desk you don't have a standing desk. Uh, do we have other options? Totally. So there's a blog. We here at the Command Edit Podcast like to send you over to other places. <laughs> um, no, we like to recommend things every once in a while. There's a blog that I check out that you should really check out too uh, because I think that uh, editors in particular will get a kick out of this. It's called nerdfitness.com. And uh, it's, uh, it's a blog uh, slash program, mostly a blog. I haven't signed on to the program because uh, it costs money. But uh, it's a free blog. And the blog articles, this guy's a fantastic writer, first of all. He relates everything back to something nerd-wise, usually video games. And it's usually a really good analogy, either just for your attitude for approaching being fit or for uh, you know incorporating new fitness techniques into your day or a new fitness routine. Um, they're really cool. One of my favorites was an article about uh, people who, like how you feel when you give up, especially when you know, it comes to things like a diet or uh, a vow to go to the gym every day or anything like that, or I'm gonna lose 10 pounds in three months sort of thing. Um, when we face a failure in that regard, we usually immediately give up. A lot of us do. We take it very personally. We take it very hard. We, you know, if we fail at something that has to do with our fitness, our health, then we usually just kind of get sad and go, you know, oh well, again, you know, I guess that didn't work. I give up, and very few people try again. And the, did you ever play like any really really difficult video games growing up, Josh? Oh yeah. Yeah. What did you, what did you used uh, to play? Um, I uh, Super Mario Brothers uh, two. I can never get past, you know, uh, like the fifth or sixth level, um, the, fifth, the fifth or sixth world, um, the one with the weird, like, giant ostrich egg shooting things, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I just decided to stop playing that, and I started playing Super Mario Brothers 3, which is <laughs> the greatest Nintendo game of all time. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the good analogy that he put is, like, yeah, we've all played video games. We all get to a boss, a really difficult boss, and then we get absolutely pummeled. And then we get a game over, and then what happens? You know, we usually say, okay, reset, start again. Or, you know, you get asked that, you get that screen that says, do you want to continue, yes or no? A lot of people say, hell yeah, because I want another chance. So it's weird that we have that attitude when it comes to that, but not when it comes to things like our fitness or health. We, you know, when we fail at that, we get a little bit down, we tend to give up more. Uh, and so, anyways, that was one of my favorite articles that he wrote because it was just a reminder that, uh, it, it is all, you know, not to oversimplify it, but it is all attitude. So whether it fa- you fail at something uh, at uh, fitness or even at your job, if you try something, you try to go for something career-wise and you don't get it, just click continue and keep going. So Yeah, uh, I mean, at least career-wise, uh, there's always more than that one gig or job out there. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so anyways, that was my, one of my favorite articles. The article that you can click on uh, to help how to survive sitting all day is uh, another very uh, helpful one, especially if you're sitting at your desk currently right now. If you check your posture, if I just caught you and you're hunched over or you know your back is in a weird position or you're not feeling too good, um, 
these are some ways that uh, uh, I've taken this article to heart and incorporated it into each workday just to make sure, like, I want to get my flexibility back. I want to get my strength back. I, you know, I want to be able to touch my toes again, damn it. That's it. That's it. Simple things in life for me. Bend your knees. <laughs> that's called cheating. Uh, so this is, uh, yeah, so the article is full of uh, things that you can do. Uh, rather than get a standing desk or a Herman Miller chair uh, and totally break the bank, there are really simple things you can do, like just getting up and getting up and moving moving around every thirty to sixty minutes. I'm I get up now every thirty minutes. <clears throat> I get up and start. Move, I you know what? I dance. You know, just move. Just do something. Go for a walk. Any little bit of movement because that can totally just reset your body rather than just sitting there stagnant for uh, for hours and hours at a time. Which I was totally. Uh, down for doing, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I was really, really bad at that. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, for me, when I'm in the office, uh, I try to at least get up every hour and go bother some of my neighbors and talk to them, and you know, um, you know, talk about talk about whatever, uh, just just to get up and get out. Uh, and I try to not go and sit down uh, in their office on their couch or whatever, and try and just stand and, and bounce around on my feet a little bit. That does help. And uh, so anyways, there's some helpful things over that article as well as three exercises you could be doing right now that will really, really help do it. That will make your body smile. That will really help with your back, with your hips, uh, with everything, with all the thing that, things that suffer while you're sitting. So three exercises. They're really fun to do. Go check them out. You can do them when uh, no one's looking so you don't look uh, ridiculous. But uh, uh, yeah. Uh, go check that out, and I'm going to feel like stretching right after we done this. After we're done this recording, cool. So uh, we're moving on to our what vent session? Uh, vent session, sure, yes. So, uh, Josh, do you ever you watch you watch TV, you watch movies? Yes. No, no, not at all. No, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, yes, I I watch TV. I watch movies. So a lot of it, like editors, we just know. Uh, it's very difficult to turn it off when you're watching a TV show or a movie. So oftentimes you're watching a movie, you're breaking it down technically, how it was how it was made, how was this edited, how would I would have done it. So uh, I don't know, I just wanted to include a little rant session just uh, for any of the things that we often catch or we often see in other people's work that drive us nuts. So yeah. certain editing techniques or mistakes even or you know anything of that like so um because i know that happens to me all the time when i'm watching movies and tv shows I, it, some things just drive me nuts and i can't can't understand why people do that particular thing even though i say nope it's their style yeah um so certain things um you know i try and put myself in the editor's shoes and i'm just like why did why would they make this decision like it was a bad decision but when they made it was it the the lesser of two evils? You know, like like did they only have this one shot, this one over the shoulder of the person speaking? You can't see their mouth, and you're on it for 25 seconds because they don't have another shot of the person actually talking. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of always you. That's how I end up sleeping at night is is because then I'll, I'll just kind of resolve it in my head like, oh, maybe they didn't have a choice. Because mm -hmm. we all know that happens. Sometimes you're just you're just forced to do something with the footage that you wouldn't like to do. But yeah, there's nothing else to cut to. There's no other way. Um, 
One of my biggest pet peeves, though, is uh, people who cut too much. I am a fan of, like, I try to really reduce the number of cuts in my scenes, uh, in particular, like, dialogue scenes, but I just can't stand people who just have to, they're like ADD with the cutting, like, every two seconds, cut, 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 cut to something else. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if it's, if it's like a dialogue scene, they cut almost on the beat, you know, there were, yep. uh, there was a feature film that, uh, I saw an independent feature film that I saw many moons ago, very low budget. It was a reimagining I'm air quoting, but a reimagining of, uh, uh, George Romero's, uh, uh, night of the living dead. So, uh, feature film uh, zombie document or zombie uh, feature film that uh, they as I watched it something was bothering me and about halfway through I realized what the editor had done was yeah at you at the start of every person's sentence he shows them on screen so anytime that a person is talking they're on screen that's how he cut it mm. so there's never any dialogue off screen or anything like that it just it as soon as one person finishes talking it cuts to the next person they start talking I mean, uh, that that drives me nuts too. Um, I mean, just just let it let it play out. You know, you, you can sit on that person for a little bit. Uh, what are they called? Uh, J cuts and L cuts, mm-hmm. where the audio can start. Uh, you know, before the shot changes and, and vice versa. Um, I do that all the time, even in my rough cuts. Like I'm assembling a movie right now, and I never want to have like hard cuts. Uh, in uh, in both audio and video at the same time, so yeah, I do J and L edits all across the board. But uh, anyways, that was something that I asked him about afterwards. Luckily, I was I kind of knew the filmmaker the uh, at the time. Let's see, the, this was an indie production, so he was the director, actor, writer, executive producer, and editor. <laughs> And I, th- I think he scored something as well. I don't know. A sm- uh, small production. Yeah, well, actually, no, or... f- fairly fairly large for a, in for a, for a low budget thing because he still uh, he still got a lot of people on board. He just took a lot of the major roles. Ah. But uh, yeah, so he did the editing. So I asked him about it, and luckily I already kind of knew him, so I was able to ask and say, "Hey, this kind of editing, what the hell?" And uh, he actually didn't even have it, like because I thought, "Is that intentional?" Were you trying to do that? And he didn't really have an... Uh, I think he, he even didn't even realize he did that until he saw the movie on the screen. Yeah, yeah. that that It, it is definitely the easy way to edit uh, would just be, you know, in a dialogue scene, in, in our example, is uh, one person talks, you see them. Next person talks, you see them. You see the next person, I mean. Uh, that, that That's the easy way out. Um, that, and, so, that sounds like how, like... Uh, like editing automa- automated editing fully edited uh, sorry pff, words fully automated editing is going to go yeah <laughs> people are being people are uh, you know, all a twitter on this on the idea of uh, editing apps that will basically re- eventually replace the editor yeah that was on a uh, pro video the other day wasn't it a couple weeks ago on which pro video collation Oh, is that where it started? I saw the yeah, twi- I saw yeah, the Twitter yeah. conversation, but I guess I gotta go. Yeah, I gotta go check that out. Yeah, I, uh, I did not read the article because uh, I figured, uh, yeah, that that's pretty much what it was going to be about. <laughs> well, I definitely have to read that. I don't know if that's a, if it was in response to a particular 
innovation that came up that, you know, somebody, hey, said, hey, we're gonna, we're developing this software that's going to replace editors because it will ingest footage and automatically edit everything for us in a pleasing way. Um, oh, yeah. to, to which I say, ha ha. Yeah, I have my, uh, my, my GoPro 4K, my Gnarl Box, and my Touch Edit, and then uh, <laughs> I just put it in the automatic editor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I saw an editing plugin maybe about a year ago that came out for uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say actually it may have been for After Effects because it wasn't I I don't want to say it was for Premiere, but I think it was a plugin where you toss your footage in and uh, and basically click edit and it will cut together to you have to uh, supply it music so it cuts to the beat, but it's it's kind of like. Uh, the best case scenario for that would be giving it a whole bunch of B-roll so you're going to edit a highlight video. So if you're editing together like a 60-second highlight video of an event, then mm-hmm. that's what it can do. But uh, And then afterwards, you can go through and easily tweak, uh, like slide the clips to adjust their in and out points um, and that sort of thing. But yeah, that even then, I looked at that and said that probably only works, you know, two out of five times that you're using it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, when I when I hear, you know, our program is going to replace people, software and hardware going to replace people someday, eh, yeah, but not in my lifetime, I don't think. Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think in mine either. Um, and then you got to think, all right, let's say your, your plug-in, that's what, 40% successful. Then you have to go back and tweak everything. Would you, at this moment at least, would you have been better off just going and trying to edit it yourself? Exactly. Uh, they only work so well. It's kind of like, you know, even like the Roto Brush tool in After Effects for me, when they announced it, I thought, that's cool. And I saw the example video of it being used. And wow, that's really handy. Have you tried using that thing? It only really works, you know, so, it works so rarely for me. When it works, it really saves time. But man, they, it, you know, most of the time it just fails. Um, and I think actually the, the more damage that these things do, that these sort of one click solutions do, are that are they're not an actual threat to you know to to replacing the editor or to uh replacing you know anybody in any workforce whatsoever but if our clients catch wind that there's a one click solution to them that automatically has replaced us like oh wait you know I don't need you I need this plugin you know uh so that is I think where the damage is most done is when something like this gets out if uh you know a software uh, software gets released or even just gets announced that this is what we're going to do and the client casters wind that they can now replace us or pay us less because we're not doing as much work then they you know that's where the damage is really done all right so everybody um we need to stop talking about these automatic (laughs) editing applications stop talking yep yep uh the north korean uh news freeze you yeah. know, firewall block this stuff. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we were talking about, um, you know, the automatic editor maybe working 40% of the time. You know, I have something that works for me 100% of the time. Do you know what that is? Uh, that would be beer. Well, yes, beer and slating my timelines. Aha, yes. It... Eh. Okay, and I do. Uh, Josh does have an, a handy article for this. I'll include that in the link below because uh, 
Uh, even though I talk to him every week, I also like to hear his words on his blog. Um, and uh, it and it's it's good to see that someone else does this as a, as well, actually. Because when I read that, I just thought, oh, good, because I, I do this as well. And uh, uh, I know that some people have commented, you've got some comments that it's kind of a, uh, you know, a, a relic technique of it. Yeah, it, it's archaic or, you know, uh, it can be, you know, everything is done in metadata now. I'm like, okay, I, I get that. I get you could do this in metadata uh and you can do it, and you don't necessarily need to do this. So essentially what we're talking about is putting a text element in front of your video in your timeline. So uh, for me, I'm, I generally have a whole bunch of videos in my timeline because um, I'm not editing features. I'm editing more shorter clips or um, you know shorter videos, you know, two minutes, three minutes, but it's a whole series of them. So I keep them all together in the same sequence because I'm in Media Composer, we call it sequences. So they're all together in the same sequence. And before each video, I just have a, uh, a title with, um, you know, its title, the project, the total runtime, my name, you know, the last date I edited it. And uh, let's say it's like form, it's a resolution and, and those sorts of things. Nick, do you, what do you do? Is it something similar? Similar, a little bit more uh, minimalistic. But uh, because Josh has an example uh, of the kind of slate that he shows at the very beginning, so you get an idea of what sort of information you can include if you're going to make your own slate. Um, and when I saw that, I thought, well, that's, that's way more information that I usually put. Usually, um, it's another way for me to distinguish the video and also uh, for the client. If they are looking at a video, they can, uh, uh, you know, I include an, an identifier in the file name, but this is something that uh, they can check out. Uh, all the information at the very beginning and know exactly what they're watching. Um, but uh, I usually include the uh, the title, including the version number. That's the thing that I, I need to include just so that people understand which version they're watching, especially when you get up to 10, 15, 20 versions later. Um, and the total runtime. And that's usually all I all I include. But we're talking about scenes from a feature from a feature film for me. So mm. things like, uh, hopefully they know you usually they only have one editor, so hopefully they know that's me. Um, and, uh, uh, the edit date, I usually work into the, into the file name, but yeah, this is all helpful stuff to put at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, will it be a, will it be ignored? Will people actually get some value out of it when they watch it? Uh, maybe, maybe not, but it's, uh, I think it all, it also just kind of, uh, packages up the video for review a little bit better too. It's a little bit of presentation as well. Yeah, and uh, for me, it's less about being reviewed and it's more about for me when I go back to this project in a year or in two years or in three weeks um, and just seeing, you know, just, just seeing that, that information in there so I can quickly find, you know, uh, you know, when I edited it last and I can go back and search for emails of, you know, what, what, what I sent on that date. Cause that was when I probably sent it over to the client. Uh, and it, it's more for reference, at least for me. Yeah. Yeah. I find it a handy, uh, a handy tip for everyone. And for people who say, oh, you can do that with metadata now. Uh, sure. You know, however you want to do it, but it takes two seconds to create a title, uh, drop it in. That's it. And just for like two seconds, that's all it has to be up there for. Um, and 
uh, yeah, I yeah I try to do that for uh, most of the videos that I send off to the client for most of the scenes, uh, just because especially as I start to send a lot of scenes out, it's good to uh, have something at the beginning just for people to as they're watching they know exactly what they're going to watch, what to expect, um, and uh, also I think it kind of not watermarks it, but uh, kind of reminds them that, uh, that that you're a part of the process as well. Like it, it it it's more like the editor saying, "Here's what you're about to watch." In fact, I might also just record myself at the beginning of the slate, it's just presenting Vanna White. I present to you version three of your business's video. <laughs> yeah, just as a way to uh, to stand out a little bit. Yeah, actually, uh, I, I do remember a couple times I have thrown in like a, a disclaimer title after the slate, just like, you know, saying, just reminding whatever, like, it's not a finished product or, you know, like, remember, there's a rough cut or, you know, remember to send me this piece of video at, you know, 44 seconds, you know. <laughs> just leave a little, put a little joke in there to a little jab just to make sure they're awake and they're paying attention as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, the other thing that caught me that, uh, at the end of your blog article, if you guys read it, there's uh, something that uh, uh, a funny story, funny anecdote that Josh included from his youth, uh, from his, his early days uh, editing, where he made a slate for a video and it ended up uh, being, uh, you know, kind of cementing him in history, <laughs> at least in the eyes of uh, his professor at the time. Um, and uh, that kind of touched on. An interesting, uh, you had an interesting line that kind of rang true to me because uh, the reason that you left that story in, well, actually, why don't you sum up the story and tell us why you why you left that in the article? So, long story short, this is essentially my first video that uh, my first video project in college that's being played back for the class, and my professor said something to the effect of "slate it for two seconds, have two seconds of black, and start your video, and you know, send me that file, and I'll play it back for the class." So I don't know, really know, I, at that point, I didn't really know what a slate was. So uh, I just knew, put up my last name and two seconds of black and go. But, you know, I'm new to editing and, you know, I start messing around with colors and font sizes and whatnot. And essentially, just, just imagine the Rocky intro, uh, with the big <laughs> Rocky, you know, splash across the screen. Well, mine said short. And uh, it was like in bright red letters on a black background or something like that. And uh, my professor pulled it up. You know, he, he, you know, we, we watched my video. And, and when the slate came up, you know, he laughed. And, you know, he started, he started to, to grill me about it a little bit, you know, why I made my slate like that. And uh, I was, and I couldn't even, like, get anything out. And then, uh, you know, I thought I was in trouble. But instead, he told me he loved it. And uh, because it was memorable. And today, editors need to do something that is memorable in order to get noticed and remembered by our clients. And I think that's uh, that's an important thing to remember. And it's something that I'm tr I try to remind myself every once in a while because even those little things like that, I'm thinking of doing that for or you know thinking about okay, yeah, slates are slates are kind of they're they're kind of boring. They're very simple. What can I do to kind of shake things up and. Uh, uh, yeah, just any any of those any of those little things that you do to essentially go above and beyond for your client, uh, or even just not even above and beyond uh, in terms of like delivering, but uh, doing something a little bit quirky. You know, 
having a sense of humor and you know being able to laugh at uh, at the kind of work that you're doing or uh, you know any sort of thing. Um, and uh, because absolutely, if you're going to have a slate with your name, bright red letters at the beginning, they're going to remember it. <laughs> yes, for, and, for and all time. Remember, uh, you, you might work for a company or a company might hire you to do something, but ultimately it's people that are hiring you and people that are going to remember you. So, uh, you, you know, you, you got you to gotta play your cards towards, towards the people you're going to be working for. And you reminded that reminder came at a good time for me because when I was reading your article, I was also taking a break from editing the new project that I'm on. Oh, I, that's that was my shameless plug. I forgot about that. Sorry, rewind a little second. Five second shameless plug. I'm working on a new feature film. It's called Kirby Road. It's a horror movie, uh, and it's full of awesome so far. And uh, yeah, so I just started it last week, and uh, they're delivering footage to me, so I'm still editing as they're uh, as they're filming. So one of the things that I really like to do. And this kind of reminded me to do this um, was uh, I like to, first of all, I like to assemble bloopers at a, as I go. Uh, because as I'm going through all the footage, that's the best time when you, if I find a blooper, if I find a funny moment, cut that out, put that into an empty uh, blooper timeline over there and just move on. And then later I'll, you know, you will, you will have banked all these takes. And uh, filmmakers, directors, producers oftentimes do really love to see this stuff at the end of a shoot. Uh, you know, a blooper reel just shows all the fun that you had, um, and uh, it, you know it's it's a fun way to to uh, to uh, make yourself remembered as well. When you say, "Hey, by the way, here's here's a blooper reel for uh, for the shoot that you just did." Um, the other thing I like to do is I like to grab stills of the actors when they're looking not so flattering. So you know, edit, editor fun. We love to uh, you know when we see actors on screen. Uh, you know, in mid-expression, they strike a really strange pose. They've got a really weird expression on themselves. We like to play that stuff back, you know, over and over again. Don't don't lie to me. You do that too. Oh, completely. I, I mostly do it with my coworkers when I have to shoot them for stuff. <laughs> and then, then I'll, like, send it out to the team or send it out to a group of people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a lot of fun. So anyways, what I like to do is I like to, especially early on, to kind of set the mood. Um... Uh, I like to, uh, in the first couple of days, uh, bank a few of those poses for each of the actors where they're just looking like, this is not something you'd want to upload to your Facebook profile photo at all. And uh, in one of the emails, just phrase it very seriously like, by the way, I grabbed some promotional stills for you. I think this could be really valuable for you. Here, check them out. And then just send them off. <laughs> and then see what happens. It's <laughs> a good idea. I, I, I might do that. I'm going to do that. <laughs> so... Uh, and that was actually the few times that I have been editing on set. Uh, one of the other things that uh, that I've uh, that I do to uh, get the actors to remember me as well and the crew, because usually I'm not given the okay to uh, by the directors or producers to show scenes, especially to the actors. A lot of directors don't want you to do that, uh, especially you know, especially when they're during when they're in the middle of production. You know, you don't want to show actors themselves and then they get all self-conscious and then that affects their acting performance. Uh, but what I can show is them screwing up. So that's usually when the bloopers come out as well. Like, well, I don't have a scene, but I got, uh, I got, I've got you screwing up on these five takes. So, and that's usually even better for them. Uh, so. uh, that, that's the important stuff. Mm-hmm. So always be thinking of ways that uh, you can... Uh, these are these are these are why 
uh, people often do like thank you cards and stuff once they finish work for a client or uh, in any industry really. And I, uh, I actually have always thought like that's something that we just need to do. You know, once you're done a project, sending a thank you card or sending a follow up email or anything, just to go that little extra bit beyond and say, uh, hey, remember, remember me. <laughs> All right, should I uh, sum us up? Sure, sum us up. All right, so if I can remember correctly, if I recall correctly, also known as IIRC, I forget that every single time I see that online. I so, never knew what that was. If I recall correctly, IIRC, uh, we talked about uh, Instagram got added to Hootsuite. Nick is all a buzz about it. However, there is no video feature uh, for Hootsuite yet uh, with uh, Instagram. Uh, we talked about how Nick is no longer drinking beer, and I am writing much more over on my website, shortonbeer.com. And because Nick is not drinking beer because he is preparing for a Tough Mudder, which is an 18K, which I believe is a 10-miler. Um, Nick does not know the uh, empirical system, and I do not know the metric system. So um, I think we got that. Uh, and Nick talked about um, a post over on Nerd Fitness. Um, how you can get up and survive from sitting at your desk all day long. Uh, Nick and I have been in, uh, about uh, uh, editing dialogue, um, right, on the sentence or, you know, just seeing a person talk, uh, then you cut to the next person. You know, we like to use J cuts and L cuts. Uh, and then we talked about slating your timelines and uh, why we do that. And uh, lastly, we talked about how to make yourself memorable, either by a slate or by a blooper reel or uh, by sending them uh, funny promotional uh, still images. Did I miss anything, Nick? You did. Summed us up very nicely. And uh, if you're interested in any of the extra material that we will have available for this, uh, the show notes, links, colorful photos, uh, then you can head over to the, uh, the commandeditpodcast.com website to check out the accompanying blog post for this episode, for episode 16. Yes, uh, we have, uh, we have col colorful photos. Our website is not in black and white like most websites out there. I just took a selfie with, your, with you in the background. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> that, I, will, I will include that selfie in the blog post. Wonderful, wonderful. So... <laughs> Thank you, Nick. I nope. appreciate that. I have not showered, uh, and I have to catch a train to New York in like two hours. <laughs> no problem. We're both looking our best. We both got bedhead because it's uh, it was an early rising sort of day for this episode. So how did we do, fair listeners? Uh, <laughs> should we record more during the daytime or the uh, the evening? Uh, which would you prefer? Is there a big difference? Uh, uh, I hope I hope there isn't. <laughs> With my last podcast, I noticed a big difference. We recorded once during the daytime. And it just felt wrong to all of us. Like, no, this this doesn't feel right at all for the particular podcast that we were talking about. Uh, so we we said never again. But uh, <laughs> you know, you know, I, I kind of like this daytime recording. I feel like I'm I'm uh, more on my A game than when it's nine thirty at night. Oh boy, this may um, be this may be uh, the start of something new for me. <laughs> this may be my alarm clock every day now. Awesome. Okay, well, guys, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I, I am Josh Short. I am Nick Montgomery, and you're you. And you were just listening to the Command Edit Podcast. 